You're listening to the European Parliamentary Research Service podcast on the Paris Climate Conference. In early December, negotiators from more than 190 nations around the world are due to meet in Paris to hammer out a new global climate change agreement. But what's really at stake? In this podcast, we look at climate action in Europe and worldwide and analyse the state of the negotiations only two weeks ahead of the Paris conference. Stay with us. Europe has long been committed to reducing its greenhouse gas emissions and its actions are starting to bear fruit. The EU's emissions have fallen by 23% since 1990. This reduction already goes beyond the target of 20% for 2020 and puts the EU right on track for achieving its target for 2030, a 40% reduction in emissions compared to 1990 levels. But global warming is a global problem. So what is the rest of the world doing about it? Unfortunately, not all countries are equally committed to fighting climate change or equally able to do so. In other parts of the world, and especially in developing countries, emissions are growing. Take China, for instance. After decades of double-digit economic growth, China is now responsible for a quarter of global emissions, more than the EU and the United States combined. As a result of this, our planet is warming. Global temperatures have already risen by one degree Celsius above pre-industrial levels. And because the concentration of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere is now higher than ever, temperatures will continue to rise, even if all emissions were stopped immediately. So how will this affect us? Well, scientists have set the threshold to dangerous warming at two degrees Celsius. Above this, we can expect more extreme weather events, such as heavy storms and floods, more intense droughts and heat waves, further increases in ocean temperatures, sea level and acidity. So what is the world doing to avoid this? Have 20 years of climate negotiations achieved anything? Let's take a look at this. As the first alarm started to ring back in 1992, the world's nations signed the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change, laying the foundations for collective action to limit climate change. But they quickly realised that provisions in the convention fell way short of what was needed. So five years later, they adopted the Kyoto Protocol, which legally bound developed countries to reduce their emissions. However, not all countries were equally enthusiastic to implement the protocol. The US refused to ratify it and Canada withdrew in 2011. Besides, Kyoto didn't foresee any formal commitments for developing countries and their emissions grew rapidly as they got wealthier and used more energy. This helped developed countries realise that if climate change was to be effectively limited, the effort had to be truly global. That's why in Durban in 2011, world leaders decided to open negotiations on a new climate change agreement to be implemented as of 2020 and to involve all countries in the world. Meaning old polluters as much as new polluters. This new deal is expected to be reached during the Paris conference in December. So how far are we in the negotiations? Well, there's been some progress, but there are still too many loose ends. By the 11th of November, 159 of the 190 participating countries had submitted their emissions targets for the post-2020 period. The EU was one of the first to do it a 40% emissions reduction target by 2030 compared to 1990 levels. The US offered to reduce its emissions by up to 28% by 2025 compared to 2005 levels. China, the world's largest polluter, has said it is committed to greening its economy and increasing the share of renewables and nuclear energy, but its emissions are expected to keep on rising until 2030. 
Also, India, where millions of people still don't have access to electricity, expects its emissions to grow along with increasing energy use. But the government is investing in the development of solar power. So how will Paris deal with all these national targets? Well, these national targets won't be questioned during the conference, but the EU wants to introduce a mechanism for raising countries' ambitions through a five-yearly review process. The European Parliament goes further and asks all countries to revise their pledges before 2020. The Parliament's resolution calls for a phase-out of fossil fuels by the middle of this century and asks the EU to reinvigorate the climate policy and come up with a credible plan for climate finance to support developing countries fulfil their reduction pledges. This will indeed be one of the main issues on the table at Paris, especially the question of how to achieve the target of 100 billion US dollars climate finance per year from 2020. It seems clear that more contributions are needed to be mobilised from public, private, bilateral, multilateral and other alternative sources. But this promises to be a tough discussion. So what else do they disagree about? Let's take a closer look. First of all, the legal nature of the agreement. Should commitments be binding or voluntary? While the EU and many developing countries favour binding commitments, the US, China and others prefer a system of voluntary pledges. And then there's the question of fairness. Who should make the largest effort? Old polluters, who are responsible for the largest part of the gases accumulating in the atmosphere today, or new polluters who are seriously aggravating the problem. And there's also the question of how climate action may affect competitiveness. Will energy prices rise in a carbon-constrained world? Could energy-intensive industries then move to other parts of the world? And let's not forget the question of compensation. Poor countries will take the biggest blow of climate developments they have not been responsible for. So how should they be compensated and by whom? World leaders will have over a week to resolve all these issues as they meet in Paris. But will they succeed? That's the big question, but unfortunately we don't have the answer yet. However, there are encouraging signs. The G7 leaders reaffirmed their commitment to keep global warming below 2 degrees Celsius and called for a decarbonisation of the world economy. The EU and China have committed to working towards an ambitious and legally binding agreement at the Paris conference. And despite internal political disagreements, the US aspires to international leadership in climate policy, which means that they'll need to find some common ground with the EU. At the same time, Pope Francis has spoken out for urgent climate action and the Lancet Commission has said tackling climate change could be the greatest public health opportunity in the 21st century. So let's hope these influential institutions will encourage leaders to take the necessary action. You're listening to the European Parliamentary Research Service podcast.